lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre. We are going to do something today that I have not done in six years. Okay, actually more than six years because it was for the 2016 cycle, but it would have been in 2015. So almost seven years since I have done something that I will do here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, We will have buy, sell, or hold, of course, and that's when you guys will take over the agenda of uh, items we will discuss, and then whatever is left over, we'll get to in the overtime today for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. And, of course, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us as well. But uh, we have to begin the show, though, with another big announcement. Our, Our friends at Tyga Coolers, have come forward with a, another offering of a customized lid. Let me let me grab this puppy here. See if we can get this on camera. Aaron, am I holding it up right? There we go. Can the audience see that? Only half. Yeah, okay, well, he's going to oh, move the on. camera over there. There we go. Okay. This is the new one. See the uh, the Chinese flag there? And there's Mitch, or I'm sorry, Ditch, holding the AR-15 just as he did at CPAC. I saw him do several years ago when he came in waving that thing around. Uh, Vote harder. Elaine needs her job back. Vote harder, Elaine. That's his wife, Elaine Chow, uh, who, along with Ditch, got mind-numbingly rich somehow working government jobs for the last 30-plus years. Funny how that works, right? Okay. So if you want to do something snarky, uh, which you can, um, maybe... I mean, they've shown me that people have said, hey, can you do one? My kid's on the football team. Can we get one of him? Um, They can customize just about anything for you, provided it doesn't violate copyright laws. Uh, And uh, and they can just give you just a regular old cooler, too, because, of course, it is now we're post-Memorial Day summer is officially here. It is cooler season and our friends at Tyga Cooler, all American made, entire American staff, a pro-American company. They'll offer you 10% off right now as a discount when you use the promo code Steve when you go to tygacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A, that's Tyga, that's how it's spelled, T-A-I-G-A, tygacoolers.com, promo code Steve for 10% off as a discount. All right, so now that you're caught up on everything and the rundown of what is still to come on today's program, Let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Happy Visitation Rights and Tax Benefits of Traditional Marriages Month. We could crack Lindsey Graham jokes or discuss how there are seven colors in the rainbow, but only six in the rainbow flag. But instead, we're commemorating the month our culture overtly dedicates to one of the seven deadly sins by shining the spotlight on the true reason for the season. Sexualizing kids. Yesterday, libs of TikTok on Twitter put together a mega thread pinpointing how drag is being targeted at kids. And it goes like this. Just in May, a gay nightclub in Minnesota held a drag show for children. Seen here, one of the performers said in an interview, quote, I want to give the kids an opportunity to see what drag queen king life is like on a day-to-day basis. A preschool in Massachusetts is hosting a pride event, including drag queen story time and a pride parade. A bar in Dallas, Texas is advertising a drag show for kids, including the opportunity for some of them to perform with the drag queens on stage 
This is the Drag Queen host. A library in Bristol, United Kingdom is advertising a Drag Queen Story Hour tour where drag queens will be touring that country reading to children. The Alameda County Library in California is advertising a Drag Queen Story Hour specifically targeted at preschoolers. At something called DragCon in Los Angeles, children danced on stage with drag queens and even collected money. In Pennsylvania, a teacher hosted a drag show event for students. Parents were not notified. The district there confirmed the teacher is on leave. In Arizona, a school counselor arranged a drag show for students and was later arrested for having sex with a student. In Jasper, Indiana, a pride event with a drag performance is being advertised for all ages and they're encouraging kids to bring cash to tip the drag queens. In Ontario, a youth pride organization organized a drag queen story hour tour at various public libraries for all ages. In Weston, Vermont, a public library had a drag queen story hour for all ages with stories focused on gender and activism. They write, quote, drag queen story hour captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood. Libraries in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Chicago, Amesbury, Massachusetts, and Davenport, Iowa are all holding drag queen events for kids. All of those libraries are publicly funded. A Philadelphia school invited a drag queen to perform for students, and it's still on the schedule for later this week. The administration for Ankeny High School in Iowa claimed they had no idea a drag event was scheduled where this guy performed for students. There's apparently an investigation into the matter. K-12 schools in New York City have partnered with various drag organizations to bring drag queens to schools to read to kids. A church in Florida recently had their plans exposed to host a drag queen show for kids. A school in Wisconsin this year treated students to a drag performance. In Warrensburg, Missouri, the Pride Festival there is advertising a drag show for all ages. Sponsors include a local bank, medical clinic, and PBS. Drag shows for kids are also being advertised in Maui, New Jersey, Apex, North Carolina, Manchester, Vermont, and Denver, Colorado. So there's over 20 examples of blessings of liberty from sea to shining sea and elsewhere in the woke west. And that's not even the totality of the thread put together by libs of TikTok on Twitter. The slippery slope is always slippery and it's always sloped. And that's what happened while we were away. A fitting uh, advertiser to mention after being exposed to that. Uh, our friends over at Bonner Private Wines want to give you access right now to some of the best imported foreign wines on planet Earth. You can get half off the retail price and half off the shipping as well. This is the good stuff grown by families deep in the Andes Mountains, about 9,000 feet. They have been doing this for going on a couple of centuries now. They know what they're doing, and all three of us have tasted these wines and can affirm that, indeed, they do know what they are doing. And Todd has tasted them again and again again. Uh, so if you want to find out what uh, why Todd is so head over heels for these wines, find out for yourself responsibly, of course, uh, when you go to bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. Again, Bonner Private Wines, B-O-N-N-E-R, some of the best red wines in the world at bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. Watching that montage, and I, I read that thread for myself yesterday, and and watching that montage again, and, and Aaron will not remember this. You know, for those of you that are blissfully unaware, uh, today is June one. Uh, it is the beginning of Pride Month, or as it as it maybe it's now known, 
uh, monkeypox awareness month. I'm not exactly sure how the hierarchy within the spirit of the ages, the next current thing works. Okay. Which one takes precedence or which one takes a back seat to the other, but I digress. Um, It's also known as the month when a group will claim it is marginalized and ostracized despite the fact every major corporation in America, uh, every elite sector of the culture, and now the United States Marine Corps will bend over backwards to pander to it for the next 30 days incessantly that's a is that a fairly accurate summation do i have that right that's that's semper fi steve that's indeed that's essentially what's on the docket here right okay so aaron you won't remember this but but todd you might back in the original religious right days uh, guys like Dr. Dobson and the origin and, and Jerry Falwell Sr., the OGs of the old of the official religious right, they used to put out these videos warning about the gay agenda, the home what was the homosexual agenda back then? I just didn't use the word gay. Just the homosexual agenda before we had the LGBTFU uh, lobby, and and so they just called it the homosexual agenda. And they put out these videos and, 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 and they would look like, and you know, D James Kennedy would even run him during his, you know, the news part of his show. These were the guys that, you know, are the founding fathers of the religious right. And, and they would run these videos of the homosexual lifestyle. And it looked like, you know, uh, Freddie Mercury on a West German, you know, behind the green door discotheque bathhouse bender. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody, have you, do you remember these leather chaps? All right. I mean, dog collars. Remember this stuff? Do you remember these videos back in the day they used to put out there? Vaguely. I yeah. Do. And th- this is what would happen. This is what would happen if we mainstreamed this. If we didn't nip this thing in the bud right now. Okay. And I was reminded of those videos and how cheesy I thought they were at the time as a, you know, as a preteen teenager growing up and seeing some of that stuff. Um, and I'm like, come on, you know, I'm not gay. I'm not headed that way there. You know, as Eddie Murphy once pointedly pointed out in the decade of the eighties, there's really nothing about a guy's hairy rear end. I find even remotely appealing or attractive or interested in. Right. Okay. Um, but this has got to be a little over the top, right? It's got to be a little over the top. Huh? They weren't peddling bigoted propaganda they were they were showing us prophecy because that's exactly what was in that montage that's exactly what was in the montage except it's targeted at little kids it's targeted at little kids it is the very definition of grooming one of the companies one of the company logos that you see in Aaron's montage, courtesy of Libs of TikTok, 
It's it's Harrisonville, Missouri was one of them, correct? I want to make sure I got the town right. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Warrensburg. Warrensburg, thank you. One of the logos there is for a fast food chain that prides itself, pun intended, on being a family-owned fast food chain that originates in your beloved home state of Wisconsin with the same recipes that that his grandma and that the grandmother and grandfather who were the the you know the patreons of this or the patriarchs I should say of this of this restaurant the same their commercials say the same recipes that they used to serve at the supper table in Wisconsin back in the day 40 50 years ago i'm speaking of culvers now i don't know if you have one of these where you live but here in iowa where we do this is one of the most popular, you know, we don't have, you know, the the things that uh, are so popular in the South. And when I was in North Carolina a couple weeks ago, there were a few places that, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the people we were hanging with, like, okay, that's got like a cult following down here. That's got like a cult following down here. And the crowds there were massive, long lines. And these were places we don't have here, like Waffle House and a couple of other places. Culver's has that kind of following here in Iowa. I mean, one of the go-tos after a high school football Friday night, you drive by a Culver's man and the lobby's packed and the line to get in to the drive-thru goes well out into the street, right? I mean, yeah. it is it is an Iowa mid upper Midwest staple here. So what is the benign, innocent explanation for why the company that in its ads talks about its family origin and they're still doing it the same way that Corn Pop, I'm sorry, uh, um, sorry, uh, that Grand Pop did it back in the day is sponsoring a drag queen show for kids in Warrensville, Missouri. I don't even know. I'm going to look this up. What is the population? 20,000. You looked it up. 20,000. Because this is the one that stood out to me as 20,000. It's a small town in Missouri, man. What is the benign, innocent explanation for why Culver's is sponsoring such a thing? I don't know. Maybe you have some free time today. Some of you that are watching or listening now, maybe you should call Culver's corporate offices and and ask them that question. What you doing? The desire, the de, and this is why I use the term demonic a lot in my political analysis and my cultural analysis which I frankly didn't think I would, you know, be using as everyday vernacular on the show when I got into this business 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. But here's why. This isn't pagan. It was pagan originally. Okay, it was pagan originally. Here's the difference, though. When, when the pagans practiced pederasty or pedophilia, which was huge in the Greco-Roman world, huge in the Bedouin world, pre-Christendom. 
Still huge in the Bedouin world, by the way. I mean, during the Crusades, the caliphs and their generals would, would bring their boy toys to the war front because they were going to be gone for these sieges for months on end. And so they'd bring their boy toys, which were always, which were slaves. They'd bring their boy toys with them to the war front to substitute for the, for the wives. But here's the difference. In the pagan world, you did that to other people's kids. You did that to the, to the other, the children of the classes that were considered to be not of you, not as good as you. They could be used as chattel. That's fairly evil and reprehensible, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But they at least had a standard. I mean, if, if, if you rolled into a, a prosperous family or wealthy family or a family of some station or even a, a family that might have been a family of slaves, but were slaves to the right owner, meaning so they had some clout within the community. If you rolled up on the wrong people in the pagan world and suggested that they turn their children over to your sexual gratification. You might end up meeting your maker right there on the spot. So even in the pagan world, they understood to some extent. It was misguided. It was evil. It was fallen. But to some extent, they recognized what Whitney Houston would later sing about. I believe that children are our future. They recognized that to some degree. They had lots of children. It was considered a benefit, a reward from their particular pagan deity. That's why almost every pagan religion of the ancient world had some form of fertility rite. We're past that. We're past that. And we're now into the realm of the demonic. Why, why was it the final straw for the ancient Israelites when they went to the valley of Ben-Hinnom on behalf of the demon Malok? Because now they were casting their own children into the fire. They slaughtered their own babies. That's what that montage was. Am I wrong? No. This is, we're now offering up our own children. I was calling progressivism, paganism about a decade ago. The descent has gone so fast here in the West and in this country now that we didn't even stay at paganism very long. This is full-throated demonic. Darkness, nihilism, nothing whatsoever. You could go to a pagan and say, clearly you believe that your children have, that children have some value because you won't do this to your children, right? So then we're going to discuss why should you be doing this to anybody's children? 
You're starting from some position in that conversation. You're starting from some position of transcendence. Like the person in our modern culture who says, I wouldn't abort my own kids, but who am I to tell somebody else not to do it to theirs? So, so okay, we're starting from a place where we agree that children have some value, some objective value. So we're starting from a place we can work with. And then we can just we can we can debate and discuss from that time forward to to pull out the false objection as to why in your sinfulness you won't apply this across the board. Because you convict yourself in your own sinfulness by admitting some value at some point. That admission is an admission of your own sinfulness. You know. It's like Paul says, we are without excuse. We know because we're made in the image of God, even in our fallen state, that conscience is still at work, still divinely inspired. We know. We know. When we cross into Romans 1 in the demonic, though, is when we say things like, yeah, we know. And we just don't care. We just don't care. We, we, we just don't care. That's what that montage was. Sponsored by the U.S. Marine Corps, Culver's, family restaurants, and all kinds of entities of Ameri- a cherished Americana. American exceptionalism across the fruited plain. That's demonic. The co-opting of the sacred for the promotion of the sacrilege isn't pagan. The pagan believes what they're doing is sacred. It may be sacrilege, right? It might be. It might be sacrilege, but they believe it is sacred. St. Boniface did not encounter, when he ministered and evangelized the Norse country, people who were making sacrifices to Odin because they thought Odin was fake. They were doing it because they thought he was real. They were making an appeal to transcendence. Now, it was sacrilege, not sacred. But but by even doing so, they were showing they were open to the sacred. So now we're just debating the interpretation of and the definition of then what is actually sacred and what is not. This is open, defiant. In your face, mob outside of Lot's house levels of sacrilege is what that is. That's what it is. That's why it chose the rainbow and just removed one color to give us the number six. Hmm. Does number six hold any significance? Biblically, you guys can think of. Nothing's coming to my mind. You guys no. drawing a blank? Yeah. Let's string a couple of them together and see what it looks yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I can't think of what one six means, what about, you know, two or three of them? Exactly. Yeah. Weird. Might paint a picture. Yeah, it might. It'll leave a mark. There. This is open sacrilege now. Open sacrilege.
and there is no desire to even debate, as you like to say, Todd, we're post-debate now, post-argument now. We're not even going to debate your presuppositions. We're not going to entertain presuppositions at all. We're just going to act and emote as we see fit. And you will offer up to us. It won't be the spirit of Malok. It'll be the spirit of Quirai and RuPaul. You will offer up to us your children. And you will do it voluntarily. I haven't mentioned this book in a while, but there was a book written about this in the late 80s that laid all of this out called After the Ball. It's out of print now. But it's the mind comp of the Rainbow Jihad. It lays all of this out. Exactly what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And they have followed this to the T. And we're living in that harvest now. One of the things it points out is that we will co-opt and convert your churches and the ones we don't reach will be so intimidated against what we will build that it won't matter that they didn't join us because they'll be silent in the face of what we do and therefore complicit and enabling of it anyway. That, you want to talk about leaving a mark, that assessment probably Mm -hmm. does, right? How many churches in America do you think will address the heresy open heresy celebrated by every institution of the culture this month in America. Not enough will be the answer. This goes beyond our sinfulness. There is no other sin except perhaps covetousness via the welfare state. But there is no other sin Let me rephrase that. There is no other behavioral sin. Because obviously we live in a culture that wants the state to be acknowledged as God. There is no other moral or behavioral sin that has its own political agenda. But this one does. Because we're beyond our own sinfulness now. And we're into an agenda. And that agenda is, you will give us your children, and then we won't even have to take them. And based on that montage, a lot of people's answers these days are, as you wish. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Just remember, this is along the lines of what Steve said about the churches, but every Democrat in every state will vote for this and mm-hmm. run through the halls shouting gay 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 and so it's 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 not just a one wing of a party pressuring its own members now the the entire party is the mob outside lots house the entire party and then the other party rarely if anybody stands up in a way that is shown to have any lasting effect and it's been that way for a long time so we are living in place all of you know this could not have been imagined they imagined it in the book that steve just mentioned 
But a lot of us were just saying, no, common sense prevails. No, it can never turn into that. And a lot of Christians were saying that we really did not believe our own faith. That is the most important thing you need to do right now. What does it mean to be a Christian at its core? Because if you do accept what it really is, it never would have gotten this far and your life as you're living it now will change radically because you're looking in the eyes of the devil and you know that the way life has gone so far is simply in no way good enough. There's a reason why I've made um, kind of a distinction between the impact of of homosexuality with this trans drag thing. I, I think homosexual, they're both sinful. One leads, I think, probably to the other uh, down that slippery s- slope. Uh, I think homosexuality is a perversion of reality. Transgenderism, so-called, is a rejection of it. Period. Yes. There is a there is a direct correlation to the number of times we've uttered the word demonic and the number of events like this taking place in our culture. There's a reason for it. It's because it's right from the pit of hell along the lines of, of what you were talking about, skipping over paganism and going straight for the uh, demonic. Well said. All right, when we come back, I'm going to do something I haven't done in six years, seven years. Stay tuned. So if they're telling us that inflation is the worst it has been in over 40 years, then what do you think it is really? I mean, the the same people that lied to us about hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, um, the jabs, lockdowns, masks, you know, virtually everything else, uh, the the, the most secure election of all time. uh, They've lied to us about virtually everything over the last 26 months at least. So if they're admitting, if they're admitting that inflation is the worst it's been in 40 plus years, what is it really, right? One of the best hedges against inflation historically, diversifying into gold and silver. That's what our friends over at Bullion Max can help you with right now, provide security for your family during these times of crisis. And they're offering right now the lowest prices that you can find on the internet. You can get the, the Bullion Max uh, uh, Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. They can't offer it any cheaper than that. You get the same rate employees get for the silver starter kit that includes the popular silver American Eagle coin and much, much more. When you go to bullionmax.com slash Steve, that's bullionmax.com slash Steve. This offer is so good, though, that um, it's limited to just one per household, please. Take advantage of it today at bullionmax.com slash Steve. So I want to I want to do something here that I have not done in almost seven years now. And I, I wasn't planning on doing it, and I wasn't planning on getting involved, as I discussed yesterday, and I've discussed several times why I just don't invest a lot of time and energy playing in primaries anymore, because I did that for a decade. I did it for a decade professionally, painstakingly, fighting alongside guys like my buddy Daniel Horowitz and others, made a ton of enemies, people that later on in my career could have 
certainly helped me, but <laughs> weren't going to uh, after those bridges got burnt, which I was fine doing for the cause. Totally fine with it. What I wasn't fine with, though, is we lost almost every single one. I mean, you, you kind of hope you win a couple, right? You don't even have to win them all, even win half. The best damn hitter that ever lived, the best season he had, he was unsuccessful six out of every ten times he came up to bat. This is hard. Okay? This is hard. But it would be nice to, you know, win two. Win two. Win more than the one we won, which was the one, Dave Brat that none of us even invested in because we thought it had no chance. <laughs> All right? And so I just kind of thought... After doing that for 10 years, you know, that whole, you know, a tree by its fruit thing. After doing that for 10 years and coming up with nothing, I, I kind of thought maybe there was a better option for this program and, and my platform. And so we went even harder into the theological and philosophical and cultural arena. But I was listening to my buddy and colleague, Daniel Horowitz's podcast just a few days ago, and uh, I'll talk more about this with Daniel when he joins us later on in the show about an hour from now. I was listening to his podcast earlier this week because Daniel's frankly tougher than me. He's still trying. I mean, he's still interviewing a bunch of candidates all over the country, a lot of whom probably have no shot to win, but he's still trying. You know, I think it was Mencken who once said, behind every hardened cynic is a great romantic just dying to come out. I know you guys see the prophet of woe and lamentation. But you don't spend private time with him as I do. I can promise you. Behind all that woe and lamentation, there is a romantic. There is an optimist dying to come out. He just, he can't stay away. He can't do it. I can shut the door and move on. Daniel can't. He has, to, he has to keep trying. He has to. God bless him. So I, I listened to a few of these interviews that he does uh, on his show with some of these candidates around the country. And he did an interview with an individual from my own home state, a state senator named Jim Carlin. And I frankly wasn't going to listen. I was just going to move on to another episode because again, I, I just, I did this for 10 years, you know, and when the majority of our people watch a news channel in Fox, that's the only place they get all their information. And it's Lindsey Graham loving every minute of it, of getting, not getting to the bottom of it with Sean Hackety. And it's uh, the clips we had yesterday. Zelensky is Patton and Reuters fact checks have told us that the election was not stolen. By the way, Yesterday, AP comes out now with a story from a cyber agency with concerns about the Dominion voting machines being hackable. Who will apologize to Mike Lindell? I mean, if that's our primary news source for our team, we're effed, man. If, if, that's, if the primary news source for our team is Zelensky as Patton and we go by Reuters facts checks then I mean, I don't, now you know why I just bypassed a lot of this process. 
I just got ran over by a bunch of boomer primary voters who just sit around like the coneheads with rabbit ears wrapped in aluminum foil on their heads, just absorbing Fox News's talking points into their brains all day long. Must vote for the NRSC candidate. Must vote for the NRCC candidate. We are from France. Just like zombies. Okay. So I stopped doing it because... I didn't want to hate my life anymore. But I listened to the interview. Something told me to listen, not punk out, not tap out. So I did. And I was incredibly impressed. I would urge you to go and listen to it as well. If you want to know what it sounds like when we talk about, hey, does this guy or gal, do they know what time it is? I I listened to an interview that Daniel did with Kari Lake out in Arizona about a month ago. And I listened to that one because I think she's actually going to win. Or is it Carrie Lake? I I listened to that one because I think she's going to actually win. And you could clearly tell she knows what time it is. She's got a chance to be a hotter version of Ron DeSantis from what I heard. This guy, Jim Carlin, first of all, sounded very Iowan. Very low key, kind of had that um, Wilford Brimley kind of persona. Very Iowan, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the knowledge base was extremely impressive. First of all, he used the word dispositive in its proper context, which, you know, if you know me, you had me at hello. But then listening to him articulate on the issues. And I'm not talking guns, abortion, the, the typical GOP talking points that we're, we're about to win on these points. Again, by the way, the stuff that's, you know, the gun to our head right now, medical freedom. Am I a Pfizer lab rat? Will they choke out my kids with the talisman for the spirit of the age? This guy knew his stuff, talked about his own personal experience with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and treating COVID himself. This guy knew his stuff. First of all, you're not agreeing to talk to Daniel Horowitz one-on-one for 30 minutes because you've got something to hide. (laughs) No one does that. No one's like, all right, I'm a complete fraud. Let me go on Horowitz's podcast one-on-one. No. But the answers were incredibly impressive. And he did to me what I've often done to other people, forced me to confront the truth, to remember when I was a local radio host in the summer of 2009, and we were doing town halls around the state with people losing their damn minds on Charles Grassley, because he was working with the Obama White House on Obamacare, because the big health insurance companies here in our state that are his big donors, they wanted it, that he voted against border wall funding. They'd had a 56% Liberty score. I knew it was bad, but I hadn't looked in a while. Sure enough, it's 56%. It's an F. That's what Charles Grassley has. And this is during the Biden presidency, where the spirit of the age is using him as its vehicle, its way to channel all forms of rot gut through his dementia-rattled mind. You would think they don't need your vote, right? You would think you could just sit there and just vote no on all this bad stuff and lie to us, right? 
I should give Grassley credit. He didn't lie to us. He told us the truth. He voted a majority of the time for the Biden agenda. So there's that. He's 88 years old. It's gross that he's running again. He's been in office since 1975. I was born in 1973. No one should be in office that long. No one should really want to be. Anybody who would be really good at this would want to get the hell out of there after a term or two because of all the poop storm they take in response. Grassley is a simp for the spirit of the age. He's an enabler of all this evil. He had Hunter Biden's laptop long before the New York Post found out about it and got and nothing was done. As head of the Judiciary Committee, he was the one that oversaw that horrible strategy. Remember that boring lawyer woman that was going to actually do the job at the Kavanaugh hearing? Yeah. And Kavanaugh took one look at that and said, I, my life is over if I leave it up to these Republicans right. and took it upon himself and that he, and defend himself. That was Grassley, man. He was the head of the, of the Judiciary Committee. And we all know, let me tell you what you may not know, but we all know here in the state of Iowa, he's only running again because he expects, maybe hopes, that he'll retire during this term and our governor will then appoint his grandson, who's the speaker of our house, to take his place to continue on the family tradition. Well, let me tell you about his grandson, Pat Grassley. We had a, it was okay overall, but we, but given the environment we had here, that we had a governor that was openly, openly campaigning, put really bold legislation on my desk and I will sign it openly to the point that she's actually now going to get involved in primaries in the, in the state legislature. She was disappointed by what she saw from the Iowa House. They're the reason we didn't have a school choice bill. They're the reason why we didn't have a medical freedom bill. And there's something like 62 Republicans in the Iowa House out of 100. And Pat Grassley's the speaker. That's his chamber. And they failed us in this last session. So no, we just got rid of the Bushes. This is going to be the first November in my lifetime. There will not be a member of the Bush dynasty on a ballot anywhere in America to vote for. We don't need any more political dynasties. We just got rid of the Bushes. Time to put the Grassleys out to pasture. And as much as I disdain the idea of Grassley running again and handing it off to his metrosexual mangina grandson, I wouldn't have endorsed Jim Carlin on that. Because I knew all those things about Charles Grassley before I heard more about Jim Carlin. Now, Jim gets it. Jim embodies how we turned Iowa so red. It started with the grassroots army we built. You saw that with Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum getting surprising wins. The record turnout we saw in 2016 when Ted Cruz won. But then there's the the rural base that Trump has added that kind of finished it off. And Trump turned 33 counties in Iowa that voted for Obama at least once, ended up voting for him twice. Carlin gets that coalition. He's a member of it. And if we have not learned anything over the last 26 months, please tell me it is at least this. We need to elect better people. <laughs> Can we at least agree we, we, we can agree on that? So it's C-A-R-L-I-N. I have, no ch- I have no idea what chance he has on Tuesday in the primary. 
And you guys know me, I'll be brutally honest with you, it probably ain't great. This guy has an excellent record as a state senator. He knows how to communicate. He knows the issues. He's won elected office before. He's moved legislation before. He, uh, he can do the job. He's not just an ideologue. He can do the job. And I just got really convicted listening to him that in my own backyard, it would, it would just be a terrible example for me to set to not publicly take a stand in a race like this in my own backyard. Because all the reasons I wouldn't do it, frankly, are bad. My own complacency, my own laziness, my own gutlessness, etc. None of those are good reasons. They're not good reasons when I see other people not do the right thing and we call them out for it. So I needed to call myself out. And I'm doing that today by coming forth and doing something I haven't done in almost seven years, endorsing someone for a federal office. So today, I want to endorse Jim Carlin for U.S. Senate. I have no idea what difference it'll make. But I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it because I actually think electing someone like him would make a difference. And if you want to learn more, no matter where you live in the country, because if you were to win, this would obviously impact you. It's a federal office. C-A-R-L-I-N is how you spell his name. C-A-R-L-I-N. Let me make sure I get the exact link to the website. CarlinForUSSenate.com. Carlin, C-A-R-L-I-N. Carlin for F-O-R. CarlinForUSSenate.com. And if you want to contribute or volunteer or just learn more. And I would absolutely urge you, if you want to know what your candidate should sound like, no matter where you live, go listen to the interview he did with Daniel Horowitz recently. That is what your candidates should sound like no matter where you live. They should sound exactly like that. Obviously, with their own personas and personalities, that, that's not what I'm talking temperaments. I'm talking about on the issues. They should sound exactly like that. You have any thoughts before we get out no, of here? I've seen the man speak. We were at the same uh, Informed Choices Iowa conference together. Uh, and yeah, he masters the issues, but this was on a uh, Saturday in uh, November and he spent time there and he's good with people and he listens. And I want all you Iowans who over time have had Chuck Grassley get in his truck and do his 99 county tour and his whatever issues he's talked about. Ask yourself, has it paid out after all this time? Because look around you, look at your schools, look at your border. Has it paid out? Because the Jim Carlin I saw, he plans on paying out. We'll come back, play our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold next when we return. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Let us know. What you think about what we think by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. D-E-A-C-E. That's how the last name is spelled. Say it, don't spray it. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. And then also at Steve or at Real Steve Dace. I'm having a hard time keeping all these straight. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. 
You can get me there as well, at Real Steve Dace there. And then get clips of the show without any censorship and without cost when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. For those of you that listen to the podcast, thanks. You're a big part of our audience. Please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review, hit subscribe or follow, whichever applies, wherever you get the podcast from. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one of you. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. I did. I forgot to ask. Have you tried it yet? Oh yeah. And it's very good. Yeah, yeah. I don't just share my brownie batter built bar puffs with anybody. I just want you to know that. Oh, I'm well okay. aware. All right. And and there's a reason why when I when I brought it into work yesterday. I, it, oh, I know. It, it, uh, Still it, haven't had cookie dough, by the way. Well, yeah, I'm not sharing that like with. No, see, there it is. Yeah, yeah. there and it is. That there's. I have standards. Okay. Um, but, uh, obsessions <laughs> that too. Well, one man's standards, another man's obsessions, right? But, uh, there's a reason why when I went to toss that to yesterday, I almost took my arm back a couple times. Then finally I was like, no, that's why I ate it right away. Yeah. Cause you know, I might, you might take it back. Yeah. Right. Like Aaron, you reminded me yesterday. This is like one of the only three bars that has, that isn't gluten-free. They yeah, made. You still gave me a, a bar. I which did I appreciate the gesture. But when it. you told me that you couldn't have it, I didn't fight you on it though. Did I? Oh No. We'll no. give it back. Yeah, thank you. I'll take it back. Appreciate it. That's how good the brownie batter built bar puff is, and it is available right now with so many other outstanding flavors from the greatest protein bar of all time. If you want to try it today, uh, go to built.com. You won't believe how low in calories they are, how low in sugar they are, how low in carbs they are, and packed with protein, all covered in real chocolate, loaded with flavor. Built.com is where you want to go. B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar. Built.com and use the promo code DACE at checkout to get 10% off. 10% off when you check out with the promo code D-E-A-C-E. Let's get to buy, sell, or hold when each week at this time. With a little help from his friends, Aaron has prepared for you and me, Todd, uh, a series of predictions or lists, uh, prophecies, perspectives on any issue conceivable uh, that we will be asked to buy or to sell. If, however, we decide to use the hold at any point during this next half an hour, and it is for any reason other than how in the world did Aaron even allow that on the air? Okay. If indeed that's what goes down. Okay. Then um, you will be punished severely. And you will allow Lindsey Graham to do the punishing. Probably not. No. Okay. No. Aaron. 30 submissions today, so we can go as basically rapid fire as you would like because we only have about uh, half an hour to do this now and then uh, the overtime as well. Okay. We'll begin with Alexander Rogers, who says, if most parents knew nearly 80% of all vaccine deaths in children were those administered multiple shots in a single day, parents would have their children jabbed less, which is why the FDA and American Academy of Pediatricians doesn't limit children's shots to one per every few months. Uh, by that last part really brings it all together. The Machiavellian nature of why they do the things they do. That it's I mean, the magical power of vaccines involves many regular incantations like that <laughs> from the very, very beginning. When you, when you're feeling vulnerable as a parent, uh, especially uh, as a mother, and you're trying to what you do, what you think is protecting those children. Oh yes, they work you over, and they work you over hard. 
So I don't know if that number is correct, but I will buy just because I agree with the spirit of it, even if I can't quantify the specifics that are cited. Also, the AAP is, if you have paid any attention. To oh, they've been horrible the last been. 26 yep. months. Or mask all the kids, yes. keep them yep. out of school. I mean, they've been absolutely demonic. Yes. Next up, we'll go to James Dulus, who uh, says, Our post-Christian society has falsely diagnosed a spiritual defect as a mental illness problem, not discounting real mental illness issues. Like COVID, they seek to treat it improperly and create more problems than solutions. I think there is some truth to this for sure. Um, I, I am not comfortable as someone married to a therapist, a Christian therapist. I'm not comfortable that there's always a clear line between these two. Meaning, does does a does are 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 is is a spiritual depravity or a um a diminished spiritual health is that distinct from your mental health issue or is your mental health issue the symptomatic manifestation of the former and i think that just depends on a case by case basis okay but as a general rule and and understanding the way that our system behaves in ignoring the spiritual aspect of this altogether, I will buy your proposition. Okay. I, I just think we should be careful about saying that anybody who has a sincere mental health issue, it always has a spiritual source. It often does and often goes unaddressed, you know, which is why my wife does what she does and people like her do what they do. But, um, you know, the, the Bible, even in the new Testament, there are, distinctions from people the, the distinction is drawn from people who are demonically possessed and people who are mentally ill okay and so i just think we should be careful about painting with a broad brush the other way uh, i don't i don't think the answer is to the culture denying the spiritual component of this to then just apply a spiritual component to all of it at the same time i think it probably rests on a case-by-case basis i'm gonna buy for this reason they are we're, we're being we're falling into a trap uh, by those on the right, even through the best of intentions. Like with all the all, there's data coming out about how children who did not go to school for various reasons are now suffering from various mental health issues. Many of that's true, but here's where what's going to happen: the, the left it, it is baiting us. If we focus exclusively on mental health, the government's going to get involved in defining exactly what that is because it's doing it with health on every other front. And then we're all going to have to be weighed and measured accordingly. And that's not going to go well for us because like uh, believing in God. Yeah, you're mentally ill. That That's where this thing is going. So we that's why. We do not put the lion in the cage. We have got to fundamentally talk about spiritual. And then what Steve is talking about is, is right. That relationship uh, uh, is absolutely paramount in discovering how the, how much of the mental was caused by the spiritual defects. But listen, look at how these the data that it shows how many increasing numbers of people identify uh, as a homosexual or transgender or what have you. It's it's clearly clearly a spiritual contagion 
And to not talk about that is, is again, as a Christian, you're simply uh, defaulting on your obligations. Well said, Todd. Uh, Next, Connor Willis says passing a bill raising the purchasing age for a firearm to 21 will cause a new national debate. What is an adult? Uh, No, because we're post argument and I can only hope to have that conversation because it was an actual real debate. We would crush them. So, no, that's not going to happen. And it's a terrible idea because you don't let the camel's nose under the tent on this on any front. Yeah, I completely agree. You you gave almost verbatim the answer I would. Yeah, the the point of these proposals is to not have a debate. Um so I don't I don't think it would spawn one whatsoever, so I will sell. Next. John Evanco says Christian church revival is more likely to come out of California or New York than Texas or any other conservative state. I, I, you want to take this one first? Go I'll ahead. Just narrowly by uh, because I think the premise is an important one. You, to the level of pressure that those of faith w- will—that's all that will be left if you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say. I, I think it goes too far to say than any other conservative state. Okay. Um, for example, if you if you if you look at what is happening on the ground culturally in Florida right now. That that's not the same as what you're addressing with Texas, which I wholeheartedly agree with there, which is this kind of, you know, Texas is now kind of in the roll tide evangelical column that it used to, it's just very complacent, you know, that well, we're Texas, this stuff can't happen here and it keeps happening there. Okay. So um, I, I, I think if you are, if you are, relatively new and zealous for your beliefs your redness is new i wouldn't say that um that couldn't produce a revival you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. because the the desire is is still there you know i mean let me use a college football analogy to make to kind of make the point i'm making because it'll include the state of texas texas a&m as a university is way wealthier than the university of alabama and it's one of the wealthiest universities in America. It's got one of the largest endowments in America. Okay. And not to mention oils at $120 a barrel right now. Right. Okay. So we're going to have a system in college football now where you can openly buy players. And that's why Nick Saban spoke out about this a couple of weeks ago, because you're sending a message to his boosters. Hey, we didn't win the recruiting war this year. We got outbid. Well, Nick Saban can't change the demographics of Alabama. It's never going to be as wealthy as Texas. And the wealth that it's there, he's got to split it with Auburn. And so now if Texas A&M is going to fully engage, then on that level, he can't keep up with that. He can't spend with that. Now, why is A&M doing this? They've won a national championship since 1939. They've had one top five finish and 10-plus win season in the 21st century, despite all those advantages. They're hungry. They got the eye of the tiger. Alabama boosters are listening to Nick Saban complain about having the number two recruiting class, and they yawn because they just won six national championships. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's a complacency there. And right now, Texas A&M boosters are like Clubber Lang at the beginning of Rocky III, man. They're doing the chin-ups off the pipes in the basement. And Alabama's boosters, Nick Saban's trying to wake up they're like Rocky Balboa, you know, doing photo ops in between sweat sessions at Gold's Gym. 
and Rocky's playing the role of Mick. Hey man, this guy's a this guy's hungry. He's trying to get trying to get the booster's attention. We're gonna get outbid. And I think here's how that plays into this conversation. If you're a state that is an Iowa or a Florida, and you are you are reddening right now, you have that AM chip on the shoulder eye of the tiger right now. If you're a state like Texas, though, that that it was an OG and has been coasting on those laurels, you're the Alabama boosters that are like, <gasps> I got six national championships and you don't have a nonprofit collective for me to donate to, so I can't even write it off on my taxes. Do you know what I'm saying? Different. There, there's a different level of motivation. So I wouldn't go that far. But in general, your point is how the kingdom of God has often operated. Mm-hmm. God appears to a man who is a stranger in a strange land and tells him, I'm going to send your, your, your progeny hundreds of years from now into a land flowing of milk and honey, where you've never been, by the way. And I will be their people and they will be, uh, they will be my people and I will be their God. And your descendants will be a light to all nations. People that didn't have a homeland were largely nomadic in nature. And that's when they weren't in bondage. And then all the people that knew the scriptures amongst those people over a thousand years later that knew them. When Messiah shows up, they look at "Eh, nothing good comes from Nazareth. It's okay, we'll take the tax collector here, we'll take the zealot over there, we'll take the, the fisherman over here and the farmer over there. And Jesus tells the parable of the king who invited the guests to the wedding who were supposed to be the VIP guests. The wedding was meant for them. But they've got a million excuses for why they don't come and don't think it's worth their time. And so what does he say at the end? The king flow, throws open the doors and says, let, in, let all the riffraff in. Anybody who wants to come now may come. A hundred pilgrims on a rickety boat land at Plymouth Rock and essentially found America. This is typically how it works. So if I could reword your statement, which I think is the spirit of what you're saying, and I spent some time on this because I think it's a very important point. I did a podcast last night where the host talked about um, he really expected that all the resistance to COVID stand, he said, hey, I'm a Calvinist, I'm a post-culture warrior. This is what we do. And I, I expected it would be my tribe, theologically, that would be the ones all over the country that would stand up to COVID stand. That's what we're about. I mean, we're the, we're the people that coined the phrase in the revolutionary era, era resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. That That came from our churches. And lo and behold, I'm out here with this eclectic group of co-religionists that we're often trying to discredit each other about who's more right in our sola scriptura. And I didn't expect that. And I said, that's often how you know things are of God. In the New Testament, there's a scene where Jesus' disciples come to him and say, hey, there's this dude over here doing all these incredible things in your name, blessing people in your name. We sh- should we go stop him because he's not in our tribe? And Jesus says, whoever is not against us is for us. No, you should not. Because by their fruit, you will know them. And the fruit of what that gentleman, what they're doing over there is good. So don't stop them. Don't muzzle the ox while it's treading its grain. 
And so what we've seen throughout history and the history of, of, of God's of God's word is revival tends to come more often from the most decadent and depraved places than it does from those who are drunk on their own reputations and complacencies. And so since I think that is the spirit of what you are alluding to, I will buy. Well said. Uh, next, Dandy Andy says a Russian cyber attack, whether real or staged on our electrical grid or other critical infrastructure, will be used as the catalyst for getting the American people on board to troops in Ukraine after the current Lend-Lease approach. I will buy. Um, I, I think Vladimir Putin has a limited amount of time to finish whatever he wants to do over there and claim a W. Um, and then I think they will concoct some a Louis Cetania moment, if you know that reference. Okay. Um, uh, remember the, 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 remember, was it the main, was that the one that got us into the Spanish American war? Am I remembering that correctly? All right. Uh, With Ra- William Randolph Hearst, where the term yellow journalism sure. comes from. Yeah. Okay. Is that right? Do I have that right? I think so. Okay. But Yes. Well, some kind of Gulf of Tonkin, if I can, I'll make a more contemporary example of the sort of um, dark art that I'm describing here. Something will be conjured as the rationale for why this must be done. So, yeah, I I think that Vladimir Putin um, is on the clock is ticking. I'll buy. Oh, I like it, but I'll I'll sell. I think he knows. I mean, he doesn't want Putin doesn't want America in. Uh, people try to fake it. He knows where a lot of skeletons. I mean, I just I don't know. He may that that's that's a game of roulette that I don't think will be played. I don't. I don't. I mean, the the, the question is whether real or staged. And I don't think it would be real. I think I would put my money on staged at this point because I trust no one or anything. Jake, ruler of the donuts, says liberty <laughs> is the product of a virtuous society, not the cause. Too many people in the United States don't understand this. Bye. Correct. Bye. Yes. Yes. Next, Coke Zero Holic says if Pence w- runs, that used to be me, bro. <laughs> Feeling you, G. Yeah. Uh, if Pence runs, he'll take down Trump when COVID gets brought up during debates, leading the rest of the field to have a legit shot of winning nomination. Trump will blame Pence, but it'll reflect badly on the former commander-in-chief for not taking responsibility. I I could see that happening. I could see the latter happening, but I'm going to sell because I don't think Pence has enough testosterone in his body to take anybody down. Like, at all. And being in, what about his, Lindsey Graham? being in his mere presence, and Lindsey Graham has more testosterone. Now, some of it, of course, has been ingested third-party. But in the case of Mike Pence, um, your your T level drops just audibly hearing his voice and the perpetual forlorn look on his face, and he's just always always why so serious? There it is, constantly yeah. uh, everything. Of course, uh, you know uh, it's just the whole thing is flaccid. The whole thing is flaccid. So sell. If Pence proves capable of doing this, then we'll know who the Antichrist is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Next up, Metric Curling Democracy says Steve will moonwalk across the CPAC stage wearing only his Tommy Johns before a single dime is ever cut out of the budget of the Department of Education. So, cl- clarify this. 
You mean like on final passage, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I could see next year the Republican majority is trying to do all kinds of stuff like that for um, grandstanding points that they know Root Biden will branch. just yeah that they know Biden will just uh, will just veto and then they'll do some continuing resolution to keep the government going. So I just think we need to define this technically. And so if if, if you're saying passage, on yeah. final passage, then I will buy. Yes. I, I, I whatever the answer is, I'm demanding that something be cut from the Department of Education I, because no, we're not doing Steve underwear moonwalking. We're just not doing that. So make it happen, people. Next, uh, Weston Kamathy says top five Clint Eastwood directed movies. Number five, Million Dollar Baby. I've never uh, seen that before. It, it's got a morally repugnant ending, but it is a very well done film. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I'll yes. buy it. Number four, Grand Torino. Or the Totters and Story. Okay, <laughs> I'll buy. Wow, there's going to be a lot on the cutting room floor. I'm trying to think what's not. Okay, I'll, I'll buy. Well, number, like the, the Richard. Um, Richard Jewell. The Richard Jewell movie's not on there, right? Yes, it is. Oh, it's it is? Uh, okay. Number two. Yeah. Oh, there's a number two. Okay. Uh, right. Number three. Uh, on th- <laughs> the Richard Jewell movie titled Richard Jewell. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this morning when you sent a text and I didn't see it and I called you. With the exact thing with the I texted exact you to same do. thing yeah. that you texted about. Yeah. Yeah, special moment from Aaron. Uh, number three, Unforgiven. Okay, I like Richard Jewell, but it's not a better movie than Unforgiven. It can't be. Grant Torino has to be number two. Uh, and and so I'm going to... St- I'll buy it being on the list, but it, Unforgiven. If it's number three, Richard Jewell is too high. Number two, Bye-bye. Richard Jewell. Bye. It's very well done. Just not as good of a movie as Unforgiven. Number one, American Sniper. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, yep. that's, yeah. You bet. Next, we go to American physicist who says, Trump needs a teleprompter and a speechwriter to do what DeSantis can do off the cuff. Speak from the heart to issues that we care about. I'm gonna sell. Yeah, I'd sell. Sometimes I, I, I think it's. I don't think the teleprompter. It's it it's it's not. And I don't I don't believe that Donald Trump shares. Comprehensively shares my convictions. Okay, I don't. I just don't. I I also don't believe he comprehensively shares their convictions. Okay, either. But I I think that it's there for for him not to be. Um. Not to verbate, uh, as Sanders, <laughs> as that uh, uh, weather vane said on Fox News in the clip we had yesterday. Not for him to verbate. I think it's there. I, I think it's there so that he stays on task. Okay, uh, I've, I've I've been around him enough, and I've f- followed him um, obviously enough doing this job every day that I don't think he has a problem addressing a lot of our concerns off the cuff. I think his problem is only addressing our concerns off the cuff before addressing whatever in the Sam Hill he's all worked up about. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and certain occasions you just have you're in the Death Star trench, man. You got to stay on target. All right. This is not the time to riff, you know, and welcome Woody Johnson at the stage. OK, do that at your rallies. OK, that's, you know, Trump uh, at the improv. But there are certain occasions where a leader and a president just has to stay on task and on target. And that's not necessarily his strength. And so I'll actually commend him for submitting to that in those occasions. And it has almost always produced positive results for him. So I don't think it's that he doesn't, he can't communicate our concerns off the cuff. I think it's because 
in, when he's off the cuff, he struggles to only communicate our concerns and not, you know, deviate into whatever, you know, and, oh, man, did you guys watch that game last night? I can't believe that call. You know what I mean? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. That, I think that's why he does it. And again, remember, people already really live in the world where they don't really care what he says on many fronts as long as things get done. And again, many of us were surprised by that, certainly on the front end, more disappointed on the back end. Not enough was done, not enough follow through. Let me mention really quick before we close this out here in the final couple of minutes about our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. Boy, especially right now with the way things are going. First of all, there's not a ton of available houses in a lot of areas that you want to live in around the country to begin with. And then secondly, with the uncertainty of the interest rates and the economy and everything else, make sure you've got a real estate agent you can trust to guide you through the process during these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Uh, And you can find one where the name kind of says it all. Head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com, a company started by Glenn Beck and his associates because they... Ran into real estate agents they couldn't trust. They don't want you to do the same. Don't suffer the same fate as them. Take advantage of the website. Realestateagentsitrust.com is where you want to go. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Next up, it's Iron Man, who says uh, he has a list of top five 80s Cold War songs in no particular order. Top five. Uh, I melt with you, modern English. I, you know, I, I forgot that that was kind of a cult, like a nuclear war reference because it was originally heard in the movie Valley Girl, right? But it's a great song, so I'll buy Yeah. That's that an education sense. for yeah, me. That I makes had sense no now. idea. I had no idea yeah. either. Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Tears for Fears. Uh, sure. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Number three, or no particular order, Heroes by David Bowie. That, that might be a little earlier than the 80s, but... Um, Hero seems 80s, doesn't matured it? Matured in the okay. 80s, I don't know. Okay, all right. Okay. I, I don't even, actually, I'm not that big fan of a song of the song. Another band in the 90s did a remake of it that I thought was actually better. I just can't remember what they were called. Saw so sell on that one. Games Without Frontiers, Peter Gabriel. Yep. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh, and uh, Winds of Change by Scorpions. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a great song. It is a great song. It's a great Is song. this what I'm thinking of? Have you seen uh, really the interview? really melodic ballad? Yeah. With oh. the whistling? Yeah. That's about the Berlin Wall and stuff coming down. <laughs> What's your problem, Todd? Look at Todd. <laughs> Mr. Gran Torino, this, this is what he finds funny. What he finds <laughs> funny is that someone made a melodic song about the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah, that someone was the Scorpions. <laughs> Well, yeah. That's okay. was, hey, man, only yeah. Nixon could go to China, brother. Yeah, right. Scorpions yeah, is a little that, bit yeah, of the a Gorky Park line. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I guess that is a, a little funny. Uh, Crispy says, Fox News was created in 1996 in part because of the way Rush Limbaugh influenced the 94 election and the desire to be able to manipulate the electorate. I will, I will buy. I, I'm going to sell, actually. Um, I think you may have part of it right about what happened in 94, but I think it was because, remember, Roger Ailes, who started Fox, was one of Russia's producers. This was a clear opportunity to create a profitable network. Um, and if you go look at what Rush, what, what Fox was doing in the, in the late, at its, at, from its start really into the early 2000s, it didn't look anything at all. Like, I mean, it was the, it was the culture war every night, guys. It was the culture war every night. It had to be, but that's part of the manipulation. But then then it became, in the post-2004 George W. Bush era, 
that's when it really began to put its thumb on the scale at that point in time. So I, I'm just, I'm not comfortable saying it was that way from the beginning. Because, I mean, you, you know, people like my, Todd Starnes and other people used to work there and enjoy working there. And, you know, they couldn't get booked as a guest on that channel now. I, I, I just think in the end, um, you know, human institutions that aren't directly guided by um, divine providential influence always end up deteriorating, period. No matter how noble their origin happened to be. All right, yeah. so the rest is for the overtime? Uh, we've got 18 more, so I'm going to just narrow it, narrow it down to the best 10, I All think. All right, perfect. All right, we're going to come back. The weekly prophet of woe and lamentation himself, Daniel Horowitz, will join us. Stay tuned. Well, make sure you're ready the next time. Oh, that could never happen here. Uh, happens here. All right. Um, and they're already warning us about food shortages, supply chain issues. We all know what's happened with baby formula in the last month. So make sure you've got the peace of mind. 90 days worth of food, a three-month supply from our friends at My Patriot Supply. Get their three-month emergency food kit today from America's largest food preparedness company. Three square meals a day plus snacks and drinks. 2,000 plus calories that you need for nutrition and the peace of mind to know that it's there just in case it goes down. You and everyone in your household will be taken care of. You can get it right now at preparewithdace.com. They have everything in stock. It ships fast with free delivery. When you go to preparewithdace.com, you can save $150 on their three-month emergency food supply kit today when you go to preparewithdace.com. Let's welcome in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you, brother. How are you? We're doing all right. Happy Biblical Pride Month. Thank you very much. Um, let's begin with something I did earlier today that I've not done in almost seven years. It was the 2016 cycle, but the last time I endorsed someone for a federal office was uh, August of 2015 when I joined the Ted Cruz presidential campaign. So it's been almost seven years, okay? But I listened to Jim Carlin's interview, and I was telling the audience this uh, on your show recently, and, and I urge everybody in our audience again to go listen to this. If you want to know... What should first of all, you, you, it can't just be they know what time it is, but they know they know how to do something about it. All right. So so Jim's held elected office. He knows how to move an agenda. He has a record. Right there. There is there is a vocational aspect to this. It's not just an ideology test. Can you do the job similar to what you and I do for a living? You might be right on the issues, but can you communicate them? Can you put them in writing the way Daniel does or broadcast it the way that, that I do? Or better, frankly, um, then that's the key. All right. So there is a vocational aspect. So Jim has a track record of moving items and policies we care about. But then the way he communicated them to you on his show. And I just think I was very impressed. And I told my audience, that's what your candidates should sound like. Obviously, they have their own temperaments, personas, styles. But in terms of the depth of knowledge on the issues and the ability to dot connect what those issues mean and on issues beyond you know, the three that every GOP consultant has coached our candidates to to talk about, you know, uh, abortion, guns, and government spending, okay? Um, but on the stuff like medical freedom and those sorts of things, I was just very, very impressed, and I, and I just felt really convicted that if, you know, uh, 
it, this is going on in my own backyard and I should go on the record like I want other people and demand other people do when the fight is in their backyard. And so that's why I did what I did today. Well, well, Steve, you've stayed away from this for good reason, because I'm sitting and banging my head against the wall, uh, losing every single race. And I, I, I finally had enough. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But, you, you know, I, I felt like when someone is willing to do everything we ask them to do, you have to be willing to stand with that person. Mm-hmm. I never thought Grassley, of all people, could be vulnerable. And I kind of blew him off at first. But then look, I mean, he's a respected state senator. Like you said, he has a record. He actually co-sponsored an omnibus medical freedom bill that really covered every aspect of what was going on. And I use that as a model uh, for other states. So he he understands the the emerging issues, Uh, pharma, food and big tech. I think he, he discussed on my show. And look, he's willing to take on the holy grail in the state. And and there's another part of this, too, that his grandson, uh, that Chuck Grassley's grandson, is the Speaker of the House, Pat Grassley. Your state's a little bit funny. It's one of the only states I know where the state Senate is actually better than the House. Right. And That's a lot not of typically how it works. Passed. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't pass good things because it's blocked in the House, and that has to do with Pat Grassley. And he figured, all right, he'll go after the granddaddy there. And, and run. And even though I'm not so into Senate races anymore because I'm for national divorce and I feel it's all lost, I want to focus on governor's races. But if someone's willing to put it out all out, he put in a few hundred thousand dollars of his own money. Um, he even told me, I said, hey, how is there no polling in this race, which is kind of odd. And he said, look, I mean, with a couple of weeks out, I could spend twenty thousand dollars on that or I could spend it on on the campaign. So it's not worth it. And I figured, out, you know, it's time to stand with the guy. I don't know. He could get crushed like every other person running against an establishment incumbent. Uh, but it is kind of telling that the Des Moines Register went into the field with a poll a couple of months ago, very comprehensive about his fave unfave and whether you would want him to be reelected. And two thirds said no. A very big departure from his uh, image among Republican voters in Iowa from the past. But there was no head to head polling. I have a hard time believing that polling doesn't exist if they went in the field and paid for such a poll. Uh, Even in all the races where we're losing by 20, 30 points, there was a poll out. uh, Alabama, Idaho, South Dakota, even where Kristi Noem is beating her conservative opponent by like 30, 40 points. There's still a poll there. Mm -hmm. I find that a little bit interesting, but who knows? You mentioned why I don't do this anymore because we kept getting crushed and and There was a moment on our show yesterday that I think perfectly encapsulated and quantified why we get crushed. So, you know, we do this segment on our show every week called Fake News or Not. Okay. And I presented our audience, two of the clips that I presented our audience uh, for us to discuss if we were watching fake news or not. We're both from Fox News. One clip was the appearance of Mo Brooks on Fox News Sunday over the weekend where he is told by the Fox News weather vane who created the word verbate, where he is told by her that his claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election and his reference to the uh, Dinesh D'Souza documentary, 2000 Mules, is, is misinformation because of a, quote, Reuters fact check. That's literally what she says, okay? And then we played another clip from Fox, um, the Fox Morning Show, which gets huge ratings, And it's Brian Kilmeade interviewing a guy who is comparing Zelensky to Patton, straight up, okay? 
and I can see the smile on your face. And, and, and I use that, those two clips to say to my audience, this is why I don't engage you in these primaries. Because, I mean, our boomer base sits around all day and it just in, absorbs Fox, you know, like with rabbit ears, with aluminum foil on them, just, you know, uh, nanu nanu. You know, like Mork and Mindy, okay, just just absorbing it into the brain, um, and the, and 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 I just we just kept running into that in a lot of these races we were in. It just it just did if if it just didn't matter. And so I'm I'm under no obligation in my career to get routinely run over, uh, and so that's why I don't do it anymore. Is because people just will do whatever Fox News tells them to do, and if that's the leading source of information on our side, we have no shot. You know, with our even with the platforms and the magnitude of what we have here at Ablaze Media, we have no shot to overcome that collectively. And so that's why. You can't speak over the rancor. I mean, this is the problem. And it's not I, I think you and I would be at peace with the fact that let's say seventy percent of the GOP primary electorate right. maybe just doesn't share our values. Right. But because when you exit case. poll those exact same people after they voted for every NRCC and every NRSC candidate, they always exit poll that they were in favor of our own issues. Yes. Our and then they issues. voted yes. And then they just voted for whoever Fox News told them to anyway. Exactly. And yeah. and, and and therein lies the problem. I, I, I wasn't with you last week, Steve, but my biggest observation last week was in Georgia 14, Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, okay? So unlike our primary challengers, which don't exist and no one ever heard of them, so they reflexively vote for the incumbent, everyone, not just in Georgia 14, but around the country knew that Marjorie Taylor Greene had a primary challenge. And so it, it wasn't a lack of name ID. I mean, that was certainly on the map. And she won by like a net of 60 points or something. Yet that same district... They voted for Raffensperger, the secretary of state in Georgia, right. who feels, you know, see no evil, hear no evil with election fraud, uh, in, in addition to all the other incumbents. And to me, you know, everyone was reading into this, oh, the voters want to move on. They don't believe the election was stolen. Well, they voted for Marjorie Taylor Greene, despite having very ample opportunity to indulge other candidates. The answer is they vote for the incumbents. They, that you have record GOP turnout in primaries, but they're voting in primaries with a general election mindset. All they care about is I don't want Stacey Abrams or in, in Georgia. I don't want Joe Biden. I don't want the Democrats that's out. So they grab whatever is the, the readily available name when it's an incumbent. It's 100 percent of the time going to be an incumbent. If it's an open seat, 90 uh, percent of the time it's going to be uh, the establishment candidate just because they're usually going to have more money and backing and we're good at splitting the vote. And that's what played out. I mean, the establishment candidates won every single race uh, that night in Alabama and Arkansas in uh um, even in the Minnesota special congressional election there, uh, they beat the Freedom Caucus back candidate. But when you go to state legislature where it, it's not as prohibitive to entry, uh, you don't need as much money. We are knocking off incumbents. And, and we did in Alabama and Arkansas. Uh, so it's a just a matter of did. what the price point for name ID is. I mean, and, and that's the issue. That's the it's thing. That's the thing technical. that drove me. That's the thing that drove me mad. Daniel is after 10 years of this, I came to the conclusion that our people 
a lot of our own base is very low information, just it has a different source of information, and we'll yep. just vote for who has the highest name ID. Then, well, people will come back to me and say, well, then how did McCrory lose in North Carolina as the former governor? He had the highest name ID. Well, not all name ID is created equal. Ted Bundy has very high name ID. He's not winning a Republican primary. People knew Pat McCrory was a failure that set the stage for the terrible Democrat governor and, they have and, and right Trump, now. And Trump did endorse. And Trump I endorsed mean, the guy that actually had some of his own steam that he could then take that endorsement and capitalize on it at the exact same time. Correct. Exactly. So, so that's what all that shows stars. you is that's our recipe for overcoming the name ID is that our people have to build enough of a campaign on their own. So they have enough vocational ability on their own that then Trump can come in and give them the rocket fuel to go from there. That that's the formula to overcome the 100 percent establishment name ID. That's the formula. And if you are waiting for that, it will never happen, Steve. We will be dead before we can. I mean, even if Carlin wins, I mean, it would be one in 100 um, governors. We have failed to win a single governorship. Not a single pro-lockdown Republican governor um, has been defeated. Is it because our voters love love that stuff? No, um, they run on the opposite. They don't run on that. Now, if you watch carefully, they're not really running on our issues. But broadly speaking, it's kind of like Fox News. I was away for a week and I had it on the hotel room because I never listened to it. I wanted to hear what what the average voter is hearing. And most of the time, it's not it's not like you're going to disagree with anything they're saying. It's just complete misdirection, complete misdirection. They will focus on the issues and candidates that don't matter in the way they don't matter at the time. They don't matter. They will never focus on what matters. And that's what's going to be at the tip of the tongue of any GOP primary voter. And that's why I just decided maybe I've got maybe I'm going to try the next 10 years instead of trying to get more radical candidates elected. I'm going to spend the next 10 years trying to radicalize my audience. So that maybe then they will then begin to pressure the candidates, no matter who wins, to act on their radicalization. Yep. Okay. So that's just that's where I'm. That's phase two now. That's my next phase of my operation is to radicalize the the GOP base so that maybe we make primaries irrelevant, like what you see on the Democratic side. All those years I did all those appearances on MSNBC, Daniel. We never did it. We debated every topic imaginable. We never debated who was the true liberal worthy of your support in a Democrat primary. In fact, it was never one of the stories that never came up because the expectation was whoever they nominated would just vote with their agenda anyway. So it didn't make a difference. So there you go. Exactly. And, and, and even though they're very radical, there are a number of them that are getting knocked off. I mean, Kurt Schrader, a longtime Democrat incumbent in Oregon, got knocked off. And, dude, this guy's not a Zell Miller. You know what I mean? Um but they actually do win primaries because they have commitment. They have money. Um, and you know what? I will say it is somewhat of a values thing. While, while I do say broadly the voters share our values, but clearly not enough. And that's why I say we need our, no, our own biblical pride month because clearly our side does not believe in our stuff with as much force as the other st- side believes in their licentiousness. Completely and true. I think J- Jesse Kelly just put this out with NASCAR. NASCAR just put out a whole rainbow jihad thing. And he's like, look, I mean, you guys still listen to it. You might not be happy with it, but you don't get in their faces uh, the same way the other side does. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty logical decision that a lot of these corporations make. I think that's uh, an even more important thing than elections is to start going after these corporations. I think we saw this a little bit with State Farm. We are starting to turn the corner on the grooming issue. We have some momentum. There's a lot of potential there. It's just not going to happen in GOP primaries. 
Great stuff, Daniel. Talk to you later, brother. Take care. Take care. Daniel, brought to you by Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet means more than just giving it food and water. You love that little son of a gun. It's a part of your family, so its health and happiness is important to you as well. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's the supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you have restored the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients to your pet's diet that were stripped out of the food when you bought it at the store before it ever left the factory. For the same reasons they do with the people food. Mass distribution, long shelf life. That's why we take so many supplements these days. And now there's one for your pet. And you can try that first 14-day jumpstart bag for free on us to see. If you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, when you go to roughgreens.com, now you pay for the shipping, but the bag is free on us. Roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, or you can give them a call at 833-ROUGHDOG. That's 833-ROUGHDOG. Thoughts on the conversation we just had with Daniel? Well, he absolutely nailed it at the end there and his allusion to what uh, Jesse Kelly said. Uh, Either we ramp up our level of passion for what we supposedly really fundamentally believe in, or it's over. I just saw a fantastic uh, meme a couple days ago. It was the old Roman Coliseum half of it and the other half was a modern day NFL football. It's and it's at bread and circuses and it it could have been the racetrack. It could have been, we are absolutely obsessed uh, with our various distractions and our comfort, and we are owned by them now, quite frankly. And until that stops and we empty out those stadiums and things like that, it's a sign that we are right where we want to be, and it's not with God. Yeah, Don't get distracted by, well, I don't watch the NFL or college football or any of these sports leagues that have gone woke. Uh, the broader point is, you know, what is your source of just a uh, shiny object? Yep. What is your what is your source of uh, I just can't live without this uh, accoutrement? What is that? What is what is inhibiting you from, you know, uh, finding out as the theme of the show is this year? What, what's inhibiting for you from doing that? Doesn't mean uh, probably means you need to smash that idol. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that, but maybe you just need to take a, a step back. But usually it's those idols in our lives that's inhibiting us from, you know, actually showing up and doing our duty as a citizen. What is that? Identify it, then smash it. We're going to stick around with some bonus buy, sell, or hold for today's overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash days. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. We'll actually be down in Dallas at the Blaze TV studio. So looking forward to that. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.